Hey, this is Dominice. And Keely. And you are listening to Book Perspective. This week, we are going to be reviewing Butcher and the Wren by Elena Urquhart, which I'm very excited for. because I <laughs> I'm a morbid girl. Um, but before we do all that, let's check in. So, Keely, how's your week been? Uh, same old, same old. <laughs> How about you? Um, it's been pretty good. I had a... I wasn't off this week from regular work, but I didn't have to be at the hospital early, um, so it felt like I was off. But yeah, so I had a pretty decent week, um, and tomorrow's my daughter's birthday, so I'm busy, but good. Good. Okay. So, Butcher in the Ring. Um, uh, so, I said I was a morbid girl, because if you don't know in the podcast world, which you should... Elena is one half of Morbid, which is a true crime podcast, which I've been listening to them for, I probably found them like a year into their podcast journey, and they've been around for... A while. Did they just have their fifth year anniversary? I think. It feels about right. Yeah, so it's been a while. Um, her cousin sister <laughs> if you listen to the show then you know what that means um is the other half ash um so elena had been writing this book about that whole time and so she finally published it i want to say last year mm-hmm. and then the paperback had just come out so um i saw it actually i saw it on like a digital poster in the airport on my way back from new york earlier this um or this, this summer and i was like oh i really want to read it well i always really wanted to read it but i was like okay i gotta get it so, I was excited, um, and, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a morbid girly, too. I've not listened to anything here lately. I've really fallen off listening to podcasts, but, uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? But they're, like, so I started off with Crime Junkie, um, and then I found Morbid and, like, dropped everything in my life <laughs> to listen to them. Love them so much. I do. I'm bad about... I honestly just... My daughter asked me the other day. She said, can we please listen to music in the car? <laughs> because I found... I found Doppelgangers, which is a podcast, and they do, have been doing Vampire Diaries. I think they're on season six now. And I just, like, literally like two days ago, just got caught up. So I just listened to, like, six seasons of reviews. And my daughter's like, can we please listen to music? <laughs> so when I find something, I do. I, like, drop mm-hmm. everything, and I, like, I have to get caught up. Like, I can't do anything else, even though I was listening to, like, or doing these books and, like, all mm-hmm. my other stuff. But I was like, I, ha- I have to do it. So I, I get it. I'm, yeah. I'm bad. We, um, we definitely... So, Morbid is our family, like, travel podcast. Oh, yeah. So, when we're on, like, long drives, I'm like, okay, I'll cue up Morbid, Morbid. and the whole family gets so into listening to that. We tried that, but we went to, we went to, um, Gallenberg. <laughs> and my mom wanted to listen to it, because my mom does, but my grandma, like, okay, like, they cuss and stuff. My grandma's like, why do they have to talk like this? <laughs> my mom was like, you are fine. <laughs> Like, she's like, you are fine. Like, you will be fine. That is the least disturbing part of everything that they're right, saying. Right, <laughs> right. I love how they kind of just mock the serial killers uh, and stuff. yes. Like, my favorite episode of theirs was the BTK, like, uh, series, yes. just because... Okay, there's new stuff out about him, too. Oh, is there? He, um... Did he, like, tell himself some more? Something happened, and there was... I don't, I don't, I can't remember now, but there was something that happened where basically, um, they dug up at his house, uh, and they found, he, he had the high, he had a hidey hole, which is what oh, he called yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I hate and when people say that now, I like, know. don't call cringy, it that. <laughs> it's such a cringy, like, term, but they found stuff that's supposed to be, like, related, you know, possibly mm-hmm. to a victim, and his daughter went to visit him for, like, the first time, because really? when he went to prison, like, his wife mm-hmm. and kids, like, completely cut him off, um, as they should. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and I, he's like, can he not walk now? I don't know. I mean, like, he's getting all the, I'm glad he's still alive. I feel like they go to prison and they die entirely too soon mm-hmm. every time. I'm glad he's still alive because, yes, do your time. So, there's some new stuff about him, but, yeah, I love um, Elena and Ash. I do them, like, in spurts. Like, I'll miss, like, I'll, like, fall behind for a couple weeks, but I like to binge it, so I'll catch up with them. But, yeah, so I was, I was definitely excited for, mm-hmm. uh, for this book. So, Keely's got our blurb. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, this is a blurb for The Butcher and the Wren. 
Something dark is lurking in the Louisiana bayou. A methodical killer with a penchant for medical experimentation is hard at work completing his most harrowing crime yet, taunting the authorities who desperately try to catch up. But forensic pathologist Dr. Ren Muller is the best there is. Armed with an encyclopedic knowledge of historical crimes and years of experience working on the medical examiner's office, she's never encountered a case she couldn't solve. Until now. Case after case is piling up on Ren's examination table, and as soon as she's sucked into an all-consuming cat-and-mouse chase with a brutal murderer getting more brazen by the day, an addictive read with straight-from-the-morgue details only an autopsy technician could provide, the Butcher and the Wren promises to ensnare all who enter. Okay, so we're going to do, we'll do our, like, one word. We're kind of going to do, like, a general spoiler-free summary review-ish thing, mm-hmm. and then um, we'll give a warning, and then we'll jump into our... I'll I'll do more of a um, in depth, which I did see a comment. And they were like, they do like when we talk about it. I'll try to pause again. You guys know, like I always say, sorry for the background noise. I always say that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, we're downtown, but um, leave feedback because we'll try to incorporate that. So we're just still like learning. Every Absolutely. time we, we meet up, I'm like, okay, this is different this time. I'm still trying to figure it out. So we'll do spoiler free, then spoiler, and we'll talk about things. I'll try to pause to talk about things i'm kind of getting different with my note taking and like putting my thoughts in my notes so that i like (laughs) know to pause and talk about it and like slow down a little bit but yeah so um if you could describe this book how would you i have been thinking about this for a long time since i closed the book a couple days ago so i mean um I would describe it as shocking. Okay. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> mm, let's see. I feel like it's a little hard to, you know, do a one word kind of. <laughs> it is. So the word I would have used, so I, I like to synonym because I was, I'll come up with something I'm like, it's a better word out there. <laughs> the word I'm going to use for this book is loquacious in a positive manner, which can mean like talkative, which it is. And I'm not saying that to be a bad thing. There's a lot of depth to this. Now, coming from like being, again, a morbid girl, like I know how Elena is. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't expect anything different from this book. But if you're not and you read this book, you would probably, like, you could even feel, like, a little overwhelmed. So um, it is, like, there's a lot of verbiage. There's a lot of things like that. I'm I'm not only just, like, a reader. I'm medical, too. So, like, that didn't bother me um, at all. So I think that kind of helps describe that a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, if you're not used to, you know, Ash and Elena... Um, Elena does get off into tangents sometimes, yes. so it, that definitely comes through with a book, and like you said, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but it is very descriptive, and like, you can tell she she put her heart into it. She definitely did, and I, um, like, I looked at reviews for the, for the book, and I mean, this is her first book. I'm not going to ever write a book. <laughs> <laughs> I am not an author or a writer or an English professor or any of those things, so... <laughs> I, like, again, in no way, like, I'm not, I'm not going to judge someone on, on their work. This is, you know, her passion project. I judge basically just off, like, how the book makes me, like, feel, not off of your style of writing or anything like that. I think, you know, she, this is her baby, and I think she did a good job with it. Um, so, like, just spoiler-free in general, you know, this book follows, um, our main character is Ren, um, and it also follows our antagonist, who is mm-hmm. Jeremy. Um, and so it's uh, very similar to uh, a previous book. Well, not similar in the style as the previous book, which was Final Girls, where it was kind of flashbacks of memory. But this mm-hmm. book does, like, two POVs. So we are kind of going to see that in the um, synopsis I do, where we're kind of, like, flashing back between these two characters versus present mm-hmm. and past tense. Um, so we follow both of them. Um, and essentially... Ren is a 
she, she's a medical examiner. Yeah. She's the coroner, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is funny, because in real life... <laughs> Like, in real life, you don't have to have any medical expertise to be a coroner. I always find that to be so Really? Anybody can run for the coroner. Anybody can. Luckily, in most times, it is someone with a medical background. I don't know why you would want that job. But you don't have to. That is crazy. (laughs) It's just an elected (laughs) position. Which I don't know if in this case it is. This um, this book takes place in New Orleans, in Louisiana. Um, it doesn't say if she was elected, so I don't know. <laughs> but so she is the coroner. She is a medical. She's a doctor. She's um, you know she has all her credentials as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does get a little confusing at a time. There are there's some crossover with a little bit of a past there. Um, mm-hmm. But she's um, her and her team. Um, we have um, some. A, is he a sheriff or just like a police officer? Do they call it? A sheriff. Mm. It's weird down there, too, because they have, like, parishes and stuff. Sometimes they have different terms. So that might be... It might be incorrect. I'm sorry. Don't come for me. Um, Essentially, he's (laughs) like a sheriff, uh, LaRue. And he... So that's kind of her team. And then there are some other, like, deputies and um, Mm -hmm. people that work with them. They are essentially um, tracking a... um, or finding all these bodies. Um, They know that they're tracking a killer. So we also are following Jeremy and... I don't know. Is this a spoiler? Is it a spoiler to say he's a killer? I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if that's a spoiler. spoiler. I mean, like, it is. And so it I, it would be more of a spoiler. You know, it, essentially, we follow the, the killer, and we're following Ren. Jeremy is the killer. I don't think that's a spoiler. Yeah. I, mean, I think you, you kind of get you pretty right much, off the bat. Yeah, like, page, page two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> page two, you, like, turn the page. <laughs> Honestly, page one, like, yeah. you're, it, you're like, you're strange. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly, yeah. So I don't think that's a spoiler. So um, we're kind of flashing back between these two um, until their past cross and um, they cross multiple times essentially and kind of seeing if they're able to catch the killer or if the killer is able to best them so it's New Orleans it's hot uh, we've got some jazz we've got partiers we've got bayous um, we've got we kind of got gators we don't really like we don't get a gator attack but right. we got animals mentioned <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's, uh, kind of, I feel like as spoiler free as I can, as I can get. Um, so without further ado, if you. Spoilers are ahead. (laughs) Beware. Beware. If you have not read this and you care about spoilers, then pause here. Come back after you read it. If you do not care to be spoiled, then stick around and I'm going to get out my notes here. (laughs) I will again, try to do a wonderful job keeping up with whose POV we are in because it does go back and forth. So um, we actually start out with Jeremy. And I am going to be honest. (laughs) I immediately started thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) That's the first thought. Actually, not only did I start thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer, it made me think of the, the Evan Peters Jeffrey Dahmer series because those were the vibes I was getting. Um, So... Yeah, that's that's just the vibe I got. If somebody <laughs> has read this and you felt something different, please tell me. So we start with Jeremy. Um, he's doing his nighttime routine. <laughs> this man is OCD. Yeah. He's strange. And he's narcissistic. He's, he, he's all of the wonderful makings of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he's in the bathroom doing his, his beauty routine. And he um, we hear screaming coming from the vents. Like, I, like we said, I don't know if we're at the bottom of page one or if we've turned to page two. <laughs> we're pretty pretty close yeah so we know that something's going on so he's here here he hears screaming and like that angers him because the, the noise bothers him which you know what i'm gonna say like noise bothers me too i get you jeremy um but he's also covering blood um so oh i did write down i never write down i was just telling keely earlier i never write down character descriptors or i never like clock that when i'm reading for myself (laughs) i just i don't know i have these ambiguous characters in my mind when i'm reading and then i try to go fan cast when i'm done with the book and i'm like were they blonde (laughs) were they black (laughs) like unless it's something that's very important that they talk about a lot i Mm -hmm. completely blot that out but i did write this down so he is blonde he has high cheekbones because he's literally like obsessed with it like he's proud yeah he loves himself he was like he's like he thinks he's a great god yeah he loves himself um he compares himself to this like corpse flower 
Yeah, it's which is weird. Strange. <laughs> um, and so he's like thinking to himself about he's been going to the Tulane University uh, School of Medicine, which again is down in, in Louisiana. Um, he's thinking about a classmate. He has um, her name's Emily, which we already like that's kind of a red herring for us. Like, Emily girl, get out of there. I guess they have bio lab together. Um, and he's kind of like just kind of thinking of her as like the perfect specimen. He's like, oh, she doesn't eat junk. She works out. And he's he says she has stamina. And I'm concerned. <laughs> um, and so he is also talking about how he has other guests. Um, but those guests, like he hasn't been prepping for the same way he has with Emily. But th- these other guests are Katie and Matt, who we'll come to find out is what's making the noise in the basement. He goes down to the basement because they're getting on his nerve. And Matt is telling, um, Matt and Katie are down there. We meet them. He talks horribly about them. He calls, like, Katie, like, trailer park trash. He's, like, she has mousy brown hair. And, um, he essentially pulls off her fingernail because she's crying, which, ow, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. going to cry more. Ow. Thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, Matt is actually passed out. And they both are hooked up to IVs. And we get a little kind of like into his psyche here he starts thinking about his dad which essentially his dad was abusive to him but he respects him we always have these weird tropes with these these serial killers family dynamics are just like his mom cheated on his dad but probably because his dad was abusive but he has like doesn't really seem to have respect for his mom but he does respect his dad even though his dad was abusive and so weird weird dynamics there but his mom would go to the library to cheat with the librarian or whoever and when he was there he was still books from the library specifically he was learning about lobotomies <laughs> as a child and so that's why we are where we are today <laughs> <laughs> um he was actually looking um he mentions dr walter freeman and he was learning about treating schizophrenia uh, with lobotomies so that's why this, his basement he's kind of turned into this lab and he's already mentioned the ivs and so we got to get the idea that he does these experiments in his laboratory down there <laughs> <laughs> we already switch over to um ren dr ren Mahler. i'm just gonna call her ren um, she's found, or she's been called to the scene of a dead woman. She's out in the bayou, naked, pretty average woman. She was gutted in the stomach, um, found in only, um, blue jean shorts. She tells us that two weeks earlier, they found a, another woman behind a bar. Um, pretty similar scenario, um, that they found these victims in. The previous victim was actually found with some pages from a book shoved down her throat. Um, and all they could decipher from those with that was that one of the pages was titled with chapter seven on it. The Jane Doe that they have today appears that she was strangled as well. She's probably been dead for 10 hours. She's got a tattoo. She finds some clothing nearby, which she clocks as weird that there was things to find um, because that's not like the usual what the victims they've been finding they find inside of these clothes there's a book um, which is the ghouls anthology of horror tales so all of these like little key clues throughout the book will start to come together later on Uh, we quickly go back to jeremy he's out doing research katie and matt are passed or katie's passed out now because she's lost her fingernail now <laughs> matt's awake <laughs> but they're both also in these chairs that are like chained and bolted to the cement mm-hmm. floor in the basement and matt's yelling at jeremy i don't know what he thinks he's gonna <laughs> jeremy kisses him on the mouth <laughs> oh my god this part <laughs> i am terrified <laughs> he kisses him on the mouth and then bites his lip so it bleeds i'm like do you know how deranged you are <laughs> When I read that part, I was like, what? I had to write it down. I was like, ew. (laughs) It gives me the creeps. So, yeah, he kisses him on the mouth, and then he just goes off to work. And this is what I always say when I listen to true crime. You never know who you're at work with. Can you imagine that you go to work with this guy? And he does have a co-worker we meet in a little bit. You go to work with this guy every day, and then, like, in a month, they go to jail or whatever, and you find out that that day before he came to work, he had people in his basement. He kissed him on the mouth. It feels like, I read that part, and it felt like something that would come straight out of, like, uh, Stephen King's It or something like the, yeah. 
disgusting. He's so disgusting. And he also, like, he's such a narcissist. Like, on his way to work, like, he gets to work. He's, like, he's just condescending to everyone. He hates everyone. He's he's so smart. Like, everyone's just trash. Like, Mm -hmm. the lady that works at the desk is, like, pathetic. Just that, that's how he is. He's just, he, he's the greatest God's gift to Earth, I swear. Mm. Um, So, we're back with Ren. Um, She is at the morgue with the Jane Doe. Um, She's describing a lot of the things that are wrong with um, the Jane Doe. She's got hemorrhaging on the face. She's got ligature markings. Um, She can tell, basically, like, this patient, or patient, Jane Doe, I'm so used to saying patient at work, sorry. (laughs) She can tell that the body, like, they were strangled, but they weren't strangled to death. So, like, this person was purposely, like, strangled, but not to die. Like, it was pleasure for the the killer. They were stabbed while they were still alive, and it appears like she had been moved after death because of how the body, all those big terms that, you know, that's out above outside of the realm of what we need to talk about, but the lividity of the body, <laughs> the coloring of the body um, and the skin. So um, she's actually thinking that this Jane Doe was put in the refrigerator. And so she kind of talks about how she thinks that the killer's like playing with her to mess up mm-hmm. the, the being able, you know, all those things play into being able to figure out like time of death, location. And so um, if you put someone in the refrigerator after, after they die, they're not going to deteriorate as fast as if they were just laying out in a room. So all of that plays with the time of death. Uh, we go back to Jeremy. He's actually uh, looking up an article about the fact that Katie and Matt are missing and they're in his basement. People are holding a vigil for them and he thinks that is ridiculous and he thinks it's only for, like, the people, not actually for Katie and Matt because, again, he's a narcissist. But, hey, he's not the only one because then mm-hmm. here comes his co-worker who also is a sadistic narcissist and he's like, he's like, Jeremy's testing him because he's like, oh... Um, oh, look, I literally put, I think it's crazy how you never know who you're working with. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, uh, the co-worker and him start talking about all the other bodies. Um, and Jeremy tells us, like, in his mind, like, yeah, those are all his bodies. They found, like, a previous Jane Doe, which he says her name was Megan. He says he normally never likes to overlap them, but, you know, he's kind of doing something new. The Megan that they had found, he had left the bar with, um, and I guess she called him a mama's boy. Which we know he does have mommy issues. And so he, like, basically, like, tried to, like, mentally break her. And so he just let her sit in his basement. And so he never, like, she never knew when he was coming to kill her. Which, again, also, he's he's messed up. Yeah. Um, he says he normally targets people, like, in their 20s and 30s outside of the bars and clubs. Which, again, New Orleans is perfect for that. Because that's the perfect party scene for that. Um, but he's just, like, curious, and he's just trying new things. Like, <laughs> like he's trying a new food. But um, Corey is the co-worker's name, and he, like, he's basically like, yeah, I think Katie and Matt are goners. They've been missing for more than a week. Jeremy's like, same. And um, Corey's like, yeah, I'm sick of the vigils. They're stupid. They, like, have a wonderful bonding moment. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> Ren, we go back to Ren. She reali- um, Again, she realizes, like, the killer's messing with the time of death. And we meet, um, I can't remember who we met him initially, but LaRue is the detective that is working with her. He believes that the killer is leaving clues, and that's kind of like what the pages were, the mm-hmm. book that they found. And they actually compare him to BTK and how he kind of had told on himself with the floppy disk because he was, like, thirsty for the attention. Because, essentially, if you don't know, BTK never would have got caught <laughs> if he hadn't missed the attention he was getting. And so he reached out to the police and was sending them information and he said hey if i send you guys a floppy disk would you be able to track it and they were like no of course not yeah (laughs) right tracked into his church (laughs) now he's in prison um i like that they i like that they um added that bit of information about btk but (laughs) yeah it's nice they hate (laughs) elaine and ash hate dennis Rader. Oh. They're like, BTK, that's the dumbest name <laughs> ever. Buying, torture, kill. And then they started, I love that they started calling him Bumblebutt. And I'm like, <laughs> that is the funniest thing. LaRue tells them that the book that they had found was actually checked out by a man named Philip Trudeau. But it was checked out, it was last checked out like over 20 years ago. And until like three days ago, it had been in the library. But we know that Jeremy said that when he was growing up, he used to steal books from the library. So, like, we can put that together. We don't know who Philip Trudeau is, but he lives in Massachusetts. He hasn't lived in Louisiana for, like, 20 years. So, not really sure about that. 
we kind of flash back to, or not really flashback, we jump over to Jeremy for just a second, which he basically just tells us that he first liked to kill or learned to kill because his dad hit a deer and, or found a deer that was injured and brought it home to take it out of its suffering. And that excited Jeremy. Again, he's a serial Creeper. killer. Creeper. Yeah. <laughs> he's a serial killer. What are we going to say? Um, so back to Ren. She feels like she knows who this Philip Trudeau is for some reason. Um, but she goes home. She's making coffee, trying to think it over. We are introduced to her husband, Richard. Uh, he's not very important in this yeah. novel. But she's just really just kind of stuck with the, you know, the killer's figuring. Like, he's playing with her because she's trying to figure him out. Um, and we jump back over to Jeremy. He's heading to the school. So, again, he's going to Tulane, or at least we think he's going to Tulane Medical School as an actual student. I think he's, like, listening to the radio. They found, they're talking about a girl that was found dead again behind a bar. And he's just kind of talking, being a creep again, talking about the pleasure he gets from being able to, uh, from killing people and how being an autopsy tech is just, like, not enough to, like, get that experience. Again, he's a creep. Ren actually has a nightmare that night um, about being caught by the murderer. They found another body, so she's just feeling more stress, more pressure. They've actually found two people. They found a 23-year-old male, or female, and they found a 56-year-old male. Both of those they actually don't think are related to the killer, but you just never know. So she's just got bodies piling up. She goes out to the scene, and her and LaRue actually find this business card that wasn't there at the time like they were called out to the scene mm -hmm. and it's actually one of her old business cards she said she had her business cards updated like six months ago so this is a card that somebody's gotten at least six months ago and it wasn't there like an hour ago so whoever put it there was has been out there watching mm -hmm. them uh, so she knows that somebody's watching them so they're like okay well we'll have somebody like we'll put a deputy on you or whatever and you know the killer's watching her so Jeremy's back at the school. He's stalking Emily like he introduced us to her in the first chapter. She calls him Cal. Um, I initially thought this was a fake name, but we do find out later that either Cal's his middle name or it's short for something. I think I wrote it down later in my notes and I might get to <laughs> it, but it's not actually a fake name. It's his middle name, but she just knows him as Cal. Um, so he walks her to the car, um, to her car in the parking uh, garage, and he <laughs> basically he has like a ring on his finger that he's, pulled a prong off so that he can use it to stab this bottle of chloroform and he um you know he uses it on her and she passes out he puts her in the trunk and what is that oh he also injects her with ketamine and he notices she has a bracelet the bracelet does come back it's pretty important she has yeah. like a little charm on it um it's she has a charm an e-charm and then also a heart because they're a medical school so he zip ties her and drives her car home and we also realize that he has been dyeing his hair brown uh, when he's been going to classes with her so she knows him as cal and he has, has brown, brown hair, hair yeah when she has seen him we go back to Ren, and she is supposed to go out with her friends, but she's trying to talk herself out of it just because, one, she hates to go out. Two, she's got a lot of work stuff going on. Um, but her husband's like, no, you should go. Um, so she goes out with her friends. I think it's like Lindsay, Debbie, Jenna. There might have been some other ones. She only allows herself to have one drink because, unfortunately, and this is true in real life, she's the coroner, so she's on call 24-7. Again, why does anybody want that job? <laughs> I don't know. Especially no, you. if you don't know medicine. Why would you want that job? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're there, Lindsay's like, oh, let's go to a fortune teller. Always a bad idea. I don't <laughs> I don't know. So they go to this place called the bottom of the cup and they see us. They see um, there's actually two psychics there. One of them is named Martine, which is the one that Ren ends up seeing. And she asks if they can. Martine asked if she can record it. And Ren was like, sure. She actually asked Ren that. But before they do the cards, if she can give her a palm reading as well. And so on Ren's palm, Martine tells her she notices the Ring of Solomon, which indicates that she's strong, independent, intelligent, um, but that, like, work and success really kind of run her life and that she's stifling her creative impulses. And then she also notices a line across the middle of her palm, which is the Simeon line, um, and it basically tells her she's having, like, a hard time viewing life in an abstract way. She only sees things in black and white, and that's probably hurting something that's currently going on in her life. Um, and so then they move on to the tarot cards and, you know, Ren pulls the cards out. She pulls out the moon and the high priestess, 
the moon is basically indicating that she needs to listen to her inner voice. She's blocking messages. And the high priestess card um, is basically saying that she has secrets surrounding her, that there's someone in her life now or in the past that um, has a secret that she doesn't understand. And then lastly, she pulls another card, which is the Ten of Swords. And a man with it's a man with ten swords in his back, if you've never seen it, and it indicates betrayal. Um, so, like, at this point, <laughs> I just want to pause. At this point, I'm like, okay, so is it the husband? <laughs> right. I because was it's like, always the husband. <laughs> right. Because I was like, okay, so obviously Jeremy is a serial killer. But I'm like, is it the husband or the detective? Or I was like, is it LaRue? Mm -hmm. So, because I'm like, okay, this isn't making any sense. I was like, it me. has to be somebody close to her, right? Right. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so if so, if it's that, I'm like, then what does Jeremy have to do with any of this? <laughs> I was, it was not making sense to me. So, I was like, okay. Um, so she leaves, she's, you know, obviously freaked that rubbed her the wrong way. So she goes back, I can't remember if she went back to the same bar or she goes to a different bar and she runs into LaRue and Will, which is his partner. And there's basically like some satanic panic going on, which is something else. That's another big episode that, um, Ash and Elena have done, mm -hmm. which is the, uh, the Memphis three, the West Memphis three, which is a big case, um, where like three little boys were found murdered and they blamed it on these three kids <laughs> that were, you know, actually only one of them really was like into, um, like Gothic stuff and, I think they lived in the Bible Belt, and so they do this whole satanic panic, which is like, oh, you live, you listen to devil music, and you wear black clothes, and mm -hmm. you, that makes you want to kill people, which we know is not true. And so that's like another big episode, big thing that um, they're Elena and Ash are known for. So I like to see like those things, yeah, in this tie book. in, yeah, tie yeah. into their book, yeah. So of course, when they're at the bar, there's a TV on, and there's it's like a pastor or something, and they're like. They're pushing the satanic panic thing on the news. Um, and there's also this jazz festival coming up because it's almost Mardi Gras season. And LaRue realizes that the paper that the jazz festival poster is on is has like, it's like an iridescent type paper. And it's the same material that was the paper that was shoved down the lady's throat, um, which is the first body we like that we started with yes and so he thinks that that's like an indication like oh there's going to be something at the jazz festival because he's the one that said he's leaving us clues or the killer's leaving mm -hmm. us clues um so we go back to jeremy and the, this is where like we really finally see him become unhinged <laughs> <laughs> so emily wakes up on a monitor she is out in the bayou or whatever and i probably would have just died on the spot. <laughs> I would have been like, okay, this there's, is it. <laughs> there's like, first of all, it's dark. There's like water moccasin snake. I don't know. You got kidnapped, drugged. There's creatures crawling. It's wet. He's watching her and he goes on the speaker and he's, he says, and there's other people he, he says, and um, they're like in the swamp and he basically says that she has to avoid being caught by him. And if he can avoid, like, if he can avoid, or if she can avoid being caught, then, like, she'll get away. And she, he can tell, because he's watching her, too, um, that she recognizes his voice. Like, she knows it's him. And each person has a flashlight, and that she looks down, she sees the snakes, and then he starts, which is, this is something else that they always say on Morbid, he starts blasting music, and all the time, Elena and Ash are always like, how horrifying is it? Like, when they, whenever they do cases, they'll be like, um, the victim will say, like, if somebody gets away, they'll be like, he played this music all out, and they're always like, how horrifying is it to, like, die, and, like, this person was playing, like, this music, so it's funny that they did that, too. <laughs> so he, like, starts blasting music, and so they're just supposed to run through this bayou, and, the, and of course, he gave home, like, Dollar Tree and flashlights, like, <laughs> they did not, and so he has, like, night vision goggles Ugh. on, and, um, of course, we, like, flash over to Ren real fast, so we'll get into that in just a second. Ren is still with LaRue, we find out he has a um, he actually has a boyfriend. I was, I was, I was shocked. I was, I like, was too. I was, I was like, okay. I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> His boyfriend's a chef. I was like, okay. That was. It's very irrelevant. I mean, I was having a little crush on him, but I mean, <laughs> I know, okay. I like, huh, I like this. It's very irrelevant. I just wanted to mention. Um, but they're still talking about the jazz fest. They actually think it's going to be just a body drop, which is what like they can tell that the killer's not killing these people mm -hmm. at the scene. That he's just dropping the bodies. Um, so they're trying to figure out what they can do to catch him. Obviously, they don't want to cancel the event. They don't because they want him to come but they can't like be just like posted up he's not going to show up so they're trying to figure that out 
Ren doesn't believe that they're going to catch him. Like, she doesn't think this is going to work. Um, but, hey. So, Jeremy, we're going to Jeremy. He's got, um, he's got music playing, which I wrote these songs down. I don't know them, but if you know them, the first song I think it said was David Bowie, uh, Surfer Jet City. Never heard of it. Mm -mm. I'm going to have to play it. Maybe it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> he's carrying a hunting knife. Like I said, he's got night vision goggles. Like he's... He, Nightmare fuel. He is a creep. <laughs> oh my God. He's a creep. Um, and so he says that he, he says his family stifled his creativity and he long ago freed himself of his mother. Which I wrote, what does that mean? And I know what that means now because when you finish the book, yeah. you know. But I, I put in capital letters, what does that mean? What did you? What do you mean freed yourself of your mom? Which, what do you guys think that means? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to laugh. He is, yeah, nightmare fuel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just die. I want my I want my fear to take over and just stop my heart. <laughs> so they start running. Um, eventually, so we so we find out that Katie and Matt are also out there with Emily. Emily and Katie end up running into each other. He shoots Katie in the knee, mm -hmm. and what he wants is for Emily to leave Katie. <laughs> and Katie, I mean Emily is a good person. Like she doesn't want to leave her, but Katie is like pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, like definitely she, somebody I don't want to be. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> be like fighting with. for my life with this girl. Cause she's like, oh, I just can't. I can't. I'm not gonna make it. And Emily's better than me because I would have been like, like I would have tripped her and ran. I mean, when she got shot, <laughs> I'd have been like, I just would have kept going. You know what? So Emily's really trying hard not to, and a, something happens, and um, oh, I think my notes got messed up here because they also end up running into Matt, mm -hmm. and literally they see Matt. Katie is trying to run to Matt. As they're running, Jeremy in the dark shoots Matt in the head and it like splatters over Katie's face. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up catching Katie too and he slices her throat. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's bad. Um, so he ends up chasing Emily to like an electric fence. She doesn't know it's electric, you know, because he said, if you can outrun me, you'll get away. So she, she tries to climb it and she gets shot. Um, and then he puts, like, these drops in her eyes to, like, blur her vision. Mm -hmm. Plus, he gave her that, like, ketamine. Like, she's all messed up. Um, and then his goal was to paralyze her. He wasn't very good at it at this point. But he stabs her in the... He's trying to stab her in her lumbar spine. Um, so your spine has cervical, thoracic, then lumbar. So it's your, like, mid to lower back. Um, and so that she could be paralyzed but not die. Um, and so he didn't do it just right, but... She's laying there, basically, just waiting to die. Um, we go over to Ren for a second, and... Yeah, this is out of order. Okay. <laughs> um... Uh, I mean, I know what happened, but okay. So we go over to Ren, and they have this whole thing set up for the jazz festival. Essentially, at the jazz festival, it, it does end up being a body drop, and... <laughs> That's funny, too. Rin, like, has a nose for death. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, like... She has, like, not students, but maybe, like, new texts with her, and she'll be, like... She has a super sniffer. She'll be, like, can you smell that? And they're, like, the french fries? I don't know. Like, <laughs> and, like, she's, like, no. And, like, she'll start, like, walking, and, like, you could tell people were, like, starting to smell it. Um, and then, like, they'll start seeing the flies, and essentially there was a body under this one of the stages. So they get down there. It's, um... Is it Katie? Hmm... No, that's, no, no, this no. is not my, oh, because that's a different time. Yeah, this is when the time starts getting with me. It starts messing me up a little bit. <laughs> um, but there's a body under there, and she's, is she dying already dead? Because I feel like she wasn't all the way dead when he put her under there. It's kind of what they were saying. I don't know. I, I feel like somewhere in there, no, they, I th yeah. I think at some point it mentions that she wasn't. I think she dies under the stage, but yeah. I think when they found she her, was she close. was already dead. Yeah, yeah so they find a, a female under there, but she has an Apple Watch on. I want to say it was an Apple Watch, and mm -hmm. it's like new. Like Brand clean. new. And so they're able to get in it. How did they get the code again? She found the map. Yeah. Of the uh, St. Louis Cemetery. And there was a plot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of um, one of the plots. Yeah. So she on the Apple Watch. There and there's a timer. So essentially, he's leading them to 
a cemetery, the St. Louis Cemetery, which if you've ever been to New Orleans or you know anything about it, that's one of the most popular cemeteries there where you can go and tour it. When I went down there recently, you couldn't tour it. It was closed. But that's where they that's where they film a lot of movies. So if you've ever seen movies in New Orleans where they have, like, the chase scenes and everything down there, or, like, the originals was filmed down there, all those in the cemetery, that's St. Louis Cemetery 1. Um, and so there's a plot there that's marked and... Um, there's a timer, so she's she essentially runs like, oh, there's somebody buried, and we need to get there. Mm-hmm. Like she's putting that together. Um, so we uh, go, or no, because my my notes are out of order. Sorry. So they actually do get to that plot, and they start. They find like another like little egg timer, like the ones you have on your stove, and mm-hmm. they like all just start like digging, and they like they have no like idea how deep down or anything. Like they have no idea what's what's going on um but they start digging and they do find emily um and she's like very still she's bloody she's thrown up she's barefoot and it they literally find her like right before the timer goes out which probably indicated when her air was gonna run out Mm -hmm. or i don't know and yeah so they don't know if she's even gonna live and ren kind of like felt like she was like defeated but it's better than nothing than like not not finding them. Right. Um, so, Jeremy wakes up the next day like, he's having a good day. Like, he was yeah. well, well rested. He's like, um, so, he is telling us, like, he left Emily, this is where it gets a little confusing, so you kind of have to stick with me. So, he's like, oh, he left her laying out in the, um, in the bayou all night, and he goes out there to find her, and she's not out there. Um, and then he sees he sees what he thinks is her like propped up against uh, the fence, but what he realizes is it, it's Katie. Um, and so what happened was that she actually got out. So she used Katie's body to absorb the shock of the fence, um, and she was able to get through. So he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, that when they they're still at the cemetery Ren is with the girl they realize like the casket lid had like scratch marks on it um, I think a fingernail embedded or yeah, something yeah like it is ugh, being buried alive ooh, mm. that's bad they had like all the things in this book that were, <laughs> that were bad um, and so that like even if she does make it they're like I don't even know if this girl's gonna be able to remember anything I mean it was a bad scene we go back to Jeremy and this is a day after they've dug up Emily he's now at the cemetery he's actually at Marie Laveau's gravesite again if you know anything about New Orleans um, she's like a very uh, famous person from down there <clears throat> he like broke the camera to get in there because he's a criminal <laughs> <laughs> he also like is just basically telling us he was at the Jazz Fest and he noticed like when they found um, found the body there as well uh, we go back to Ren. She tells us that, unfortunately, uh, Emily did go into respir- respiratory distress at the hospital, and she basically suffocated from her stab wound and ended up dying. And she also tells us that she was poisoned with hemlock. It looks like it was given to her through an IV, and that's actually what killed her. So it's a really bad poison, and it's also a very rare poison. Mm-hmm. And Ren notices this bracelet that Emily was wearing, and it has that... It's that bracelet that we talked about that has the heart on it. And Ren recognizes the bracelet. She says it belonged to Emily Maloney. And she says that she's it belonged to her. So I'm like, what? Yeah. So. Leading up to there was really confusing yeah. until this. This point. Revelation. Yes. So it will get a little bit more clear here in just a second. So we go back to Jeremy after this revelation and Jeremy tells us it's been seven years on his plan to come back and it's falling apart. Um, He's, you know, basically telling us he's been leaving these clues for people, um, for these certain people. He's trying to trigger memories uh, from his case. He tells us that the pages that were shoved down the, the one Jane Doe's throat were from the book The Dangerous Game. He tells us Emily had gotten away years ago. So we actually find out that this whole thing with Emily and the chase and the bayou thing, that was years ago. He's basically coming back now to kind of, like, finish or get his revenge. Um, Jeremy says he was actually there when they dug her up, and he was pissed mm-hmm. <laughs> that she was not dead. Um, and he's, like, he's losing it. And now he compares himself to Socrates, you know, and the the hemlock tea and having to, like, walk around till he died. Like, he... Uh, narcissist. Ren tells us that 
she basically renamed herself Ren because Ren sim uh, signifies rebirth, protection, immortality, strength. Um, Wrens are like small birds. They're known for like outwitting their predators, and that's why she chose that name for herself seven years ago when she was Emily Maloney. Uh, she was working to become a doctor. She was drugged, kidnapped, stabbed, and left for dead in the bayou. And she used to blame herself for basically missing all the signs when it came to him. Um, she said she laid on that ground for hours waiting for him to come back and kill her. And then finally she did what he said. She used Katie's body to get out of the fence. And she said she like ran for what felt like miles. She calls LaRue and she tells him... Every, um, all the information that she has, all these things about him, and she's now doing her exam on Emily's body because, again, she did pass away in the hospital. Um, he arrives, and they discuss the killer, and she's telling him, like, about the controlled hunt on the private land, and she admits that she was Emily. He tells us that his father actually was working that case prior to him, and he admitted, or he had told him about her and she says yeah he was the only person that believed her when she had came into the precincts when she had been running all that time she tells us that jeremy's hair was brown when she met him and she still only knows him as cal mm -hmm. she never found out what his real name was um and she said that he used to talk about his mom in class and said that she was really sickly um he loved her house and she was saying that this is probably the property where he's taking these bodies too um she realizes that she did recognize that name philip trudeau and that was it was an old friend of jeremy's and she also does remember that katie called him jeremy when that night when they were in the bayou um and so she does ask for another tech to take over looking at emily's body because she just it's really just too much for her now also this is where i have to take a pause because this is where i was not happy so all this happens like does her husband know any of this right they never mention if he knows it she doesn't go home and like tell him there is a murder on the loose right like, and he's just like out will and we're gonna get to that in a second but like <laughs> alarms like there's nothing right and i think they only mentioned her husband like what twice yeah like that in the book? yeah the night she goes out with her friends and then like the first night when she yeah. comes home like that's it and well i mean and when they're asleep that yeah time, but like <laughs> Yeah, so, plot hole. <laughs> so, um, we go back to Jeremy, and he's still pissed off. <laughs> he's still mad that Emily, um, the second Emily, not Ren, was not dead when they um, dug her up. So, essentially, you know, he found another Emily, and he's doing this to get to Ren. He knows who she is, and all of that and he's trying to trigger her um so now he's looking for a new victim so he goes to a bar he, he sees a woman again you know he's condescending he sees this woman um she's in like a strapless dress he's basically like oh yeah she's looking to get chose um <laughs> we find out her name is tara or tara she's actually a new law grad but she just lost her first job so she's having a, a bad day you know i mean yeah she's about to have a real bad day um and unfortunately like she does drugs which hey you know whatever i'm not here to yuck your yum and she agrees. He basically is like, hey, do you want to come home and do drugs with me? And she's like, yeah. So <laughs> use those lawyer instincts, girl. I don't. I, I know it's new. I know, but <laughs> something. Come on. So she agrees to go with him, and he drives them deep into the dark bayou. And is like, oh, let's take a walk. Absolutely not. Alarm bells. <laughs> and her alarm bells were going off, but she was ignoring. Mm -hmm. She was turning them off. She was snoozing them. They go out there and sit on a bench, and she, like, goes to kiss him. And he pulls out a knife, and he's like, run. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, huh? She was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, and he's like, run. I would have been gone. <laughs> so he... And she's like, that's not funny. <laughs> He's like, I'm not joking. <laughs> and so she is running. He starts chasing her. He is throwing rocks at her. He ends up catching up to her, but he obviously didn't like plan any of this. And he just assumed because his dad used to take him hunting here that nobody would be out here. And there's actually two hunters. And so they're like, hey, like what's going on? And so he panics and he slices her throat, drops her and he takes off. And he's like, I'm going to have to get out of town. Like, he's he's doing what serial killers do. Like, they spiral. They, like, mm -hmm. lose it. They start to lose it. Uh, so we go back to Ren, and uh, we find out LaRue has gotten a call about the new victim, which is Tara. But she is not dead. 
because he sucks. <laughs> She's alive and conscious, actually. Um, and so they go to the hospital to try to talk to her. Uh, the doctor is, you know, tells us, you know, she was found by two hunters and her throat was slashed and she can't speak, which we assume she wouldn't, but she did write on a piece of paper, Jeremy. And they also get the receipt from the bar she was at earlier. Jeremy, we go back to him. He's watching the news about Tara. <laughs> He's pissed. <laughs> He is having a... He woke up in a good mood. <laughs> he just knew he was going to have a good day. And he did not. He's mad at himself. He's like, I try to follow by normal protocols. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to run, but, like, he just can't, like, leave without wrapping up. Like, he can't let Ren go. He just can't let it go. Um, so he goes down to his basement. He's, like, running his fingers along things. He's reminiscing. And um, he opens his freezer. He's got a woman in there. And he actually repeated the whole, like, spinal stab thing, but this time he knew what he was doing seven years later. He also tried to lobotomize her, and he oh does not gosh. know how to do that. The lady, like, has blood all, like, ugh. The details of that just... Ugh. Oh, my. Lobotomies, I'm glad that didn't stick around. That is a oh. horrible, horrible thing to do to someone. He unplugs the fridge, because he knows, like, they're coming for him. They're going to figure it out. So he's like, I'm going to unplug this and let her stink up my house. And he leaves. He also leaves, like, his weapons unlocked, because he's, like, he's ready to play a game you want to play a game like, <laughs> he's a creep go to Ren for a second they go to the bar owner's um house to try to get info about tara from the night before Ren stays in the car i don't even know why she's doing this like girl pack your bags get out of here <laughs> right um but the bar owner like you know he basically like he'll call some workers in to try to get some information but they also get a call at the station that there was some witnesses or a possible witness we go over to Jeremy again. He is standing at the edge of Ren's property line, watching her. Sigh. <laughs> so he's been watching her for God knows how long. He knows that when she goes home, she turns all the lights on. He knows where her favorite spot is to ch uh, to sit at. He knows her routine. He knows she double checks the locks. But he also knows that it was her husband's responsibility to check to secure the basement, and he did not do that. And there's only like there's a window down there that's painted shut. So he breaks into this window in the basement and he knows what room she sleeps in. So he spends like two hours going up the stairs because they creak. <laughs> and he sits outside of her. Or no, no, he doesn't sit out of her. No, no, he does sit outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sits outside of her door for like an hour and he's just like, I feel powerful. <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. This, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> See, now I'm torn because like as a kid, I hated to sleep with my door open. But now, as a mom, I don't sleep with my door closed. And I'm almost glad, because, like, are you going to be sitting on the other side? Oh, see, I cannot sleep with my door open. But I think it's just a horror movie person. there. I am terrified all up in my eyes, and somebody's just standing in my doorway. Bad news. I'd rather not Sometimes see. Sometimes my kids are standing there, and it's terrifying. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't. So he sits there for, like, an hour. Then he goes into her room, and he just, like... Again, her and her husband are there. He just stands and, like, breathes over them. And then he steals her grandmother's ring. She doesn't ever wear it. And so I guess she used to mention it when they were in school together. And he's like, I'm not going to kill her because he, he wants her to know it was him. So <laughs> he takes the ring and he leaves. Again, why are you staying at home? Why mm -hmm. does your husband not know? And didn't they say something about putting, like, security? security? Like, where's the security? I would be checking every, like, okay, I know you've already done all this, but, like, once you know that who it is, I'm not staying, I'm staying at the, at the police station. Yeah, yeah. Clear out a cell for me, I'm gonna make, oh my, I'm gonna make like, myself at home. What's wrong? Like, oh, <laughs> crazy. Just, ugh. I, I Getting understand. a dog or something. Something? An alarm? <laughs> Movie trap? Home alone it? Like. Uh, I don't understand. So, uh. We go back to Ren's POV. She's been trying to remove herself from the case, but she keeps, like, remembering more stuff about the case. Um, she now remembers an older woman who came into the ER a few years ago. The woman had dementia, and she came with her son, and the, the son said that she had had previous suicide attempts, and he believed she may have ingested something, and shortly after this, she dies. And she remembers that this woman actually had hemlock mixed in with her wine, <laughs> which... <laughs> Emily had hemlock, and so Ren believes that this was Jeremy's mom. We learned that the lady's name was M Mana, or Mona, Mona or Mana Louise Rose, and her son's name was Jeremy Calvin Rose. Okay, I knew I wrote it down. I couldn't remember if it was actually Cal or Calvin. So Jeremy Calvin Rose. 
Um, we also learned that they have spoken with Philip Trudeau and that he did know Jeremy. Someone from the bar came in and said they saw the guy leave with Tara. They don't know much about him, but they did recognize his smile because he's a creep and it probably creeped him out. Um, so Ren asks to go to Jeremy's house because they've located it now. LaRue tries to talk her out of it, but of course, like, we know she's going. Why? I don't know. And Ren basically tried to use the argument. She's like, there's going to be bodies there. Like, you mm -hmm. need the coroner. Like, whatever. Um, her husband doesn't want her to go, but she just feels like she has to go, so she's going. Jeremy's back at the farmhouse, at his house, like, he's punching the living room and smearing blood everywhere <laughs> and he like takes the ring out and places it in the middle of his like dining room or living room table we're back with Ren. they're at the police station they get the arrest warrant the bartender was able to identify jeremy so they're headed out to his house i was gonna look up the address it's 35 evangeline road i was like i'm gonna look it up i might later <laughs> um so they, like, send in some officers before just to make sure there's no ambush. They're like, nope, it's perfectly fine. Ren can smell death. That's what I wrote. She can smell death. It stinks. So she already knows, like, there's at least one body. And she goes in and she sees her ring. So she knows he's been in her, not only in her house, he's been in her room. She says she doesn't wear it because, like, it's too small, but it's just, like, a comforting thing. And she knows, like, it's only, it couldn't have been gone, like, more than a couple days. So, um, because she hasn't slept in her bed in days. So... She knows he's been in there. Um, she also notices, like, there's blood and glass, which we know he did that, but he wanted her to think, like, something recent had happened. So they go down to the basement, and they find the girl in the freezer, which is what he wanted. They see the chairs that are, like, bolted and chained and rusty and coated in blood. They actually end up going back upstairs, and we start to hear music again, which we know is a bad sign. So this time they're playing, or Jeremy's playing Black Magic by Bad Woods. Again, never heard of it. And they go out into the bayou and they smell more death and the music gets louder. And all of a sudden someone gets shot in the side of their head. I don't know why they weren't expecting that. <laughs> what did you think was out there? I don't, you're, you're, you're looking for a serial killer. I don't know. I would have been more prepared. So oh, yeah. he gets shot. And then all of a sudden, LaRue gets shot in the calf with a hunting arrow. Um, and so then creepily out of the bushes, Jeremy walks out and all he says is, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like holding a crossbow at her. She grabs LaRue's gun and aims it at him. but And he like drops the bow, but she can't shoot it. She's like frozen. And so Will shoots him because that's his that's um Lurie's partner and so she shoots him right in the chest and he like drops down and like rolls out of view and then they chase after him and we hear two more gunshots and then they um we hear them like calling for her and they're like hey we just need you to come identify him so she goes back there she finds him his eyes are open there's blood all over his face and I'm like, what the hell? Like, that was... I'm Too like, easy. Yeah, I'm like, what? This feels real anticlimactic. <laughs> so I'm So she's like, something's not right. And so she, like, looks... And then she lifts up his shirt, and there's nothing there. And I just said, like, he got shot in the chest. And she's like, this is not Jeremy. So she yells for Will, and she's like, this is not him. And she's like, there's no, there's no gun either. Like, where's the gun? Like, if he shot himself, the gun would be here. She's like, he set this up. This is not him. So she gets in the ambulance with LaRue, and she's telling them about Jeremy. And we flash back to Jeremy, and he escaped. He was wearing a bulletproof vest, and now he plans to run. And he knows that Ren hates him, but he doesn't think that she would ever be able to kill him. And that is where we end. And I was pissed. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that when um, they got in the ambulance, I was like, he was oh, be the no. yes, I, I was like, he's going to be the, in the ambulance. He's going to be the driver. And when I found out he wasn't, I was like, oh, dang it. That's why I was like, what? No, where's the rest? Like, I didn't want him to be the driver, but at the same time, I was like, that would make it real good. Yeah, I was like. Okay, is there a part two? I'm like, now it's gonna be, you know, Emily slash Ren and LaRue, and they're gonna have to. He's like, gonna like drive them to some. Yeah, and he's injured, and she can't. I... <sighs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I was underwhelmed. I was like, what? Where is this a cliff? I'm also, I'm a, I don't know. There, there's gonna be a sequel. Okay. Yes. I was like, wh what? <laughs> what? I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared. Now, 
I'm not saying I didn't like the book. I did. That's why I was pissed off. Because I was like, <laughs> what? Where's the rest of it? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's, that's Jeremy. He has all the wonderful makings of a serial killer. And, yeah. I need the second one. I don't know when it's going to come out. <laughs> I'm hurt. Yeah, I was, I was very upset. Like, I was, I was like, okay, this is, it's going to start getting really good. Yeah. And then it was over. And I was like. I know, then it just ended. Seriously? I was like, what? <laughs> what? Quoi? <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. How would you rate this book? Um, I'll give it a four out of five. Only because I was like, what? Ugh. I do. I felt like there was a lot of, like, build. Mm-hmm. And so, which I don't know. Did she, I don't know if there was ever any mention that there was going to be a part two or anything. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, for the, like, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed it. I do say, like I said in the beginning, it can be wordy. I think for, like, other people, that could be an issue. Um, or it could be, like, hard to follow. Um, but I mean, I liked Ren. I like, <laughs> I like Jeremy. I think he's a good serial killer. Um, I just wanted more. I completely agree with your four stars. That's what I rated it too. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I wish there, I wish there was more. Um, at first the, it was a little wordy and I was like, mm, it's okay. It, it was okay enough. It felt a lot like a CSI or Criminal Minds yeah. episode. And then when we hit the twist where Ren was actually Emily, I was like, okay, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I wish there was more. And like you said, there was a lot of buildup. And, you know, there, there, was, there was that climax, but it just, yeah. <laughs> there should have been more. I know. I'm like, just so, like something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I was hurt. I was hurt. I wanted, I wanted that. So, um, there's a dual timeline as well as a dual POV, and I feel like that kind of, you know, yeah. added to a little bit of confusion on yeah. my part until it was revealed that Emily. Yeah, that and one section gets really confusing because mm -hmm. it's like they're digging up Emily, but then she's running. And yeah, yeah, that gets confusing. So, did you think that you know? As a whole, the dual POV and timeline worked well or poorly. What do you think about that? I mean, I liked it. It does. I mean, it gets confusing, but I mean, it makes sense when you come out mm -hmm. of it. Like, I don't think that I would change it. I agree. Yeah. I think it was really confusing at first, but once you hit that point where you're starting to put the pieces yeah. together, it makes sense. Yeah. So, we kind of talked about our thoughts on the ending of the book and how we wish there was more. Um, so, Elena did say that there's going to be a sequel. Would you read the sequel? Yes, because I need to... <laughs> well, I need to know. I need to know. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, I need to know what happens. Um, I, you know. Like, I mean, this is her first book, so... Mm-hmm. Kudos to her for that. You know, I think um, she did a really good job, so I'm curious to know. Um... Hopefully, <laughs> I don't want to say hopefully there's not a third book, but I'm like, <laughs> hopefully that one wraps it up so that I can get it all in one book. <laughs> so I can feel fulfilled. But yes, I I would. And um, so, I loved LaRue. Love, I think, I mean, I loved Ren. I think Ren was a great character. Jeremy was a great character, too. Yeah, great good. serial killer. But I don't know. I loved LaRue. LaRue. It was, who was your favorite character? Um, honestly, I do like Jeremy. I mean, he's, like, disgusting. <laughs> I mean, he's a serial killer, but I do, I do like his character. <laughs> I think he, I mean, I think he's, like, a good serial killer, which I'm not surprised that she wrote a good serial killer. Yeah, she, the characters, um, I wish there was more, you know, background, um, into the characters, but she did really yeah. well, I think, developing them. Yeah. And getting us to kind of really like them. Yeah. So I, I really, really like that. And speaking of characters, uh, who would you cast 
in The Butcher and the Wren. Okay, so, um, again, I can never remember what these people look like, so <laughs> forgive me <laughs> if they're not exactly that. But, okay, so for Wren, I'm thinking, I think she, so she should be, like, mid-30-ish. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, like, Aaliyah Pipes, so that would be, if you ever watched the original, that would be Cammy. Okay. I think I could see her. Okay. Like, she she'd give me, like, medical examiner. Mm-hmm. I think she could give me that. <laughs> and then for Jeremy, so I said in the beginning he gave me, like, Evan Peters, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, but instead of Evan Peters, more like a Ross Lynch, because I feel like he's, like, yes, I taller that and for skinnier. A too. Yeah, because I feel like he gave me, like, more, like, scrawnier vibes. Um, <laughs> so, like, a Ross Lynch. And then for LaRue, actually, he, um, I was thinking, like, Chris Knoth, like, big. From um, sex, like Sex in the City, <laughs> I think he would be like just like a fun like person to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've only casted two, um, Ren and Jeremy, but for Ren, I um, was thinking like Isla Fisher. Oh, okay. Oh, she would be fun. And um, so for Jeremy, I said Alexander Ludwig. Um, if you've watched The Hunger Games, it's yes. Kato. Yes. And he just has villain vibes all around. Since, you know, Hunger Games has a huge impact on that. Um, I never heard, yeah. I won't see him as anything other than okay. a villain yeah. from now on. But, yes. I like it. Those are good. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts? Um, just that if you haven't listened to Morbid, a true crime podcast, you should. Yes. <laughs> They're available on every platform. Like I said, they've been around for a long time. You can follow them on Instagram, um, and then you can listen to them anywhere. But I, I love Morbid. So. Yes. Great job, Elena. I think you did great. Give me more. I need to wrap this up <laughs> for my own personal needs and wants. So, um, so our next book after this one is going to be uh, Sunny Disposition by Deanna Gray. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. <laughs> we're going to move over. Take a little some, break. <laughs> do some some pleasure reading. <laughs> um, so that'll be our, um, our next book. And you can follow us on Instagram at Bookrospective and... Always give us feedback, comments, suggestions. Just be nice to us. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's it. That's it. All right. Bye. Bye.